0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult FL Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on FLMontreal.com.
1: Good evening. Welcome to Today's Entrepreneur presented by FL Montreal. This is uh, the... Programmer, but uh, harnesses the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with FL's Josh Miller. Hello, Josh. Hello,
2: Dan. You had a good weekend, I see.
1: Yeah, well, after last night's election, that went, on, that went a little late, uh, so I'm a little sluggish today, uh, but we do have, uh, of course, a new mayor in town, and... Uh, a lot of nervousness, by the way. We can begin there on the business community front. Environmentalists uh, in power now in Montreal. Um, the mayor was doing her best to reassure the business community, saying that uh, we're open for business and that hopefully the trend will continue. Um, what are your thoughts on on businesses
2: eyeing the uh, the politics of Montreal? Well, you know, there politics has always been politics in Montreal. Uh, you know, has did did Denis Kader bring a little bit? more business to the to, to the local economy. Uh, I think so. I th- I think where it was going and how much they ended up spending. Uh, I think there were a lot of businesses, a lot of retailers that weren't so happy with uh, with former mayor Cadere just from a tax standpoint, from a, you know rebuilding the city and 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 kind of killing uh, with all the construction killing some retail businesses that uh, I'm sure you know pointed the finger and maybe was I don't know more short-term thinking than long term long term thinking. Uh, but uh, but will uh, will uh, mayor plant uh, be any better? Uh, you know, talking about a lot of a lot of future, a lot of good for, you know, the ecological side of things. Is that good for business? Uh, listen, time will tell. There's a lot of words that get said on a platform. Let's see how many stick.
1: It right, should be an interesting few years in Montreal politics. And tonight on the program, we're going to actually not talk about politics. We're going to talk about entertainment. And this is actually our first entrepreneur of the sort on the program in seven, eight years. Nine years. We're in our ninth season. Okay. Um, Pascal Plant joins us of the YouTube channel called Him and Him. So our our
2: first this is a professional YouTuber, a professional YouTuber. We you know we've had other entrepreneurs here that have talked about their online business, but this is a professional YouTuber. There's a lot of people that say, "Oh yeah, I'll have a I'll have a video. It'll go viral. I'll make a lot of money on YouTube." Doesn't quite work like that, and it definitely takes some effort and time and energy. And it's it's going to be a, a great story, and it, it's going to be a lot of fun talking with Pascal. And then later
1: in the program, we'll uh, have a new contributor who I've always had a love-hate relationship with, Josh.
2: Well, you know, as schizophrenic as you might be, <laughs> Dan, uh, we're definitely going to talk about uh, some some online image uh, and in relation to public relations, and uh, that is that is your forte, your expertise. So, Dan, we're going to grill you at the end of the show and uh, hopefully educate some of the some of the entrepreneurs listening. Interesting. I, I don't talk much about my day job, but I hope I hope it can be enlightening
1: later in the program. Let's start on a PR issue, by the way. Uh, Netflix. Has they are are sort of a, ta- a lot of talk about Netflix and their PR moves. Um, this after the
2: the bit of a PR nightmare they had recently with one of their big stars. It is, and and you know this was the story of Kevin Spacey and House of Cards and and him uh, I guess uh, getting caught uh, I'll say with his pants down, uh, but uh, but certainly in some inappropriate instances and much earlier in his career. And the story was more about how does an entrepreneur, how does a business deal with with in a crisis, deal with issues uh, of such nature, and I guess the article is, is what you know. What can Netflix you know teach entrepreneurs about mitigating a nightmare, a PR nightmare? And they they were talking about uh, a few aspects that I think are you would think are fairly obvious and 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 you know everybody should think about it. Um, but I wonder, you know, it's 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 really present, and and Dan, you you live and breathe this every day, but like don't shy away from it. Present the facts. Be clear about it. You know, don't, don't, uh, don't skirt the issue. Don't use big, long, fancy words. Don't uh, lie. Don't lie. Don't lie. Um, the other thing is know uh, what the article is saying is know your morals. Know your values and stick to them. Mm. Don't pretend to be somebody else. Don't, don't try and uh, use, use terms or values that you think the audience wants to hear. Be, be true to yourself uh, along the lines of don't lie. Uh, don't outright admit you've done something wrong. You know, because Netflix didn't actually do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. So why apologize for something that they were not in control of? But yet if you admit you did something wrong, well, that could kind of snowball in the wrong direction. So the article is don't admit something's wrong. And the, the, the final comment uh, was just, just acknowledge it, acknowledge it happened, and move on.
1: Mm-hmm. Deal and, with it and move on. And we've seen cases in politics. So you know, somehow stretching out that bad news and just avoiding dealing with it can really nip you in the in the rear end later on.
2: Look at the mayoral election. You know, well, yeah, Formula E is a great Formula example. Formula E. Of that, you right? know, it hit you. You ignored it. It came. You said it yeah. wouldn't come back. It came back. Uh, you know. Where do you draw that line?
1: And I, I will t- probably talk about this later on, but in an in information age, when everything can be a screenshot or a forward and an email, everything comes out eventually these days. So, yeah, best to be honest. Don't hide from it. Just hit it head on and then move on. But the g- good part is that the bar has been for public discourse has been lowered so much by Donald Trump and others that you can probably get over whatever
2: the problem is. So, um, Here's an interesting article. Uh, what if someone st- uh, copies your business idea? Well, you know, and that's going to happen. You know, they, they always say that uh, that imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, no question. But what do you do? Do you do you do you attack it? Do you do you put your head in the sand? You say, I can't believe something's happening. No, I, I actually uh, definitely don't do that. Look on the positive side of things. Embrace it. You know, ha- enjoy that that flattery moment. And maybe they're copying something that you didn't. Have enough emphasis on so see what they're copying and and see how that might affect your 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 audience and your customers. Learn from them, you know if they're if you know if if they've enhanced a certain feature, they've copied a lot of it, but something else is better. Maybe you can learn from them. Maybe they're doing one aspect of the twelve parts of your product or service that they're doing really well. So so learn from it, um, and then you know you can you can certainly uh, you can certainly counter them. You know if they're really hitting you hard. I mean don't. Don't cut off your nose to spite your face if you really have to go and, and, uh, and file an injunction or what have you. But really look at the circumstances. Don't just get buried in the trees. Look at it from 35,000 feet. See how it is really affecting your business both negatively and potentially positively and then tackle it from there. Don't assume that a copycat is automatically going to hurt your business right away.
1: This is an interesting story another um slightly disturbing millennial trend I suppose. You know, millennials big into co-working, ride sharing, so I guess the next logical uh conclusion here is home sharing, but we're talking about well into your 30s and 40s here.
2: Well, I guess it applies to everybody that you don't have to be well into your 30s and 40s, but that's definitely happened. I I believe it it it's really attacking or addressing the mobility of the labor force. And you know, you can work in Montreal when, and maybe Canada's not the best example to give because the cities are so far apart. But if, if you, if you certainly, you can move from Montreal to Toronto, Montreal to Ottawa, Toronto, okay, to Vancouver is a little harder, but certainly in these areas where you have these multinational corporations, there's a lot of movement, there's potential a lot of mobility, yet family is still back home, maybe a temporary location. Some people don't want to sign on for a year. That that too is, is a factor. So this, this, sharing, this apartment sharing notion is really addressing that market. It's, I don't want to commit to a long period of time. I also don't want to be alone. And how do I, how do I, if I'm moving to a new city, how can I automatically make friends? Now, yes. Could you be caught in the wrong space with the wrong person? There's no question about it. But if you have an adventurous type and I'm sure, and they do some screening, at least that's what the article was saying. They don't just, you know, they don't allow anybody They do some screening for whatever that's worth, by the way. But it's it's just another avenue of sharing that can be exploited and is being. This uh, story from uh, Bloomberg on uh, on how someone
1: can become a billionaire just by catering to the most obscure market in this case, cheap snacks
2: in in Russia. Well, th- this definitely billionaire. But the, the the what I'll talk about this story is. While he, while this now billionaire made money off, you know, a, a bad times in Russia and selling, you know, cheap goods because people couldn't afford it, there was it was, you know, inflation was too was too high. The real crux of this story that I want to bring out is why did he do so well? Because he took those snacks and he went vertical. He took all the all the products that he was doing, and he didn't just buy from a, a wholesaler and resell it. He actually ended up buying the wholesaler and then buying the manufacturer and buying the grower, so that when price adjustments or inflationary, and we're talking about Russia at the moment, so things can be a little erratic on the economy side there. When when there is that fluctuation, where there is that, that change up and down in, in inflation and currency and desire and spending and, and disposable income, he was able to absolutely adapt quickly because he controlled the entire vertical chain of his goods. And that's the lesson here, is if you can control the vertical chain, you are so much better at market and adjusting based on the, fact, the economic factors of the region. Coming up, we're going to talk
1: about a new kind of business, YouTubing. We'll talk to Pascal Plant, Montreal-based YouTuber uh, from a channel called Him and Him. He is next. Welcome back to today's entrepreneur inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Dan Delmar and FL's Josh Miller with you. And this evening we uh, have a first. Josh, this is uh, the first time we have a YouTuber as our entrepreneur profile for the evening. A welcome from the Him and Him channel, Pascal Plant. Welcome, Pascal. Thanks. It's my pleasure being here. Thank you for inviting me on your show. Thanks for coming. And first, um, just tell us about the YouTube channel. What do you what do you do for a living, and how do you make money at YouTube?
3: Well, him oh, and that, him... That's a, that's a big question. That's a, a larger question. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll get we'll into more we'll, that. Yeah, we'll, yeah. Still, we'll, what we'll is, start with what, what, is what is him and him. Okay, so first and foremost, uh, him and him is a place where me and Brian, my, my boyfriend, we document our relationship together. We've been together for seven years. And now for three years, we've been documenting uh, our relationship as a couple living together on YouTube. So it's a place where we share our thoughts and opinion, uh, sometimes on LGBT topics in general, but also it's a place where we try to give visibility to uh, LGBT uh, creators from around the world, whether it's by reviewing their work or collaborating with them. Now, how did this come about? You've had the channel for how long now? Uh, it's been three years uh, since last September. And, and the idea came from? It It came spontaneously, I guess, because I, I was watching three years ago during the summer a lot of YouTube, and that's when I discovered that people were actually doing it for a living. And I thought that would be like the most awesome job in the world. So. I decided to give it a try, and now I'm, I'm gonna make a living out of it, so.
2: Were, were you were you doing anything online related or video related or anything like that before?
3: Not at all, I not, I didn't even study uh, in anything uh, related to this. Uh, actually, I, I got a bachelor degree in communication from UCAM, but uh, I really just wanted to give it a try. I didn't know anything about video editing or filming or being just a uh, personality in front of a, of a camera for an audience. And I just wanted to give it a try and it turned out great. So what's the first
2: thing you do? You you, you wake up one morning and say, I want to start this YouTube channel. What is the first thing that you do or or what was the first thing you did and then we can go back to what you should do
3: (laughs) well the first thing i did is made sure i had the appropriate equipment i did have a camera and i had the most basic editing software i had so i just we just filmed one video together one afternoon then i put it on a computer started editing it and i put it online immediately but I guess the the first real thing to do would be to just film yourself talking to a camera and then watch yourself before putting it online, just to see how your presence is. Because if we look back to our first video, it- can be pretty cringy.
2: So you did you didn't kind of check that before you posted it. You just you just went full steam ahead. Exactly.
3: I was sure that when I was going to post the video, I thought I thought it looked great at the time. I was sure it would go viral in in like a matter of a week. <laughs> was it difficult to convince Brian to do this with you? Actually, it was because Brian wasn't sure at first. He he was a bit camera shy, and the whole idea of putting yourself out there on the internet for everyone to see, especially when you're gonna be talking about our relationship uh he wasn't quite sure about it i i don't think he believed he believed in it but uh nevertheless i convinced him and we started and he started enjoying it so in in our in our business and i deal deal a lot with content there's that cliche content
1: is king right so Mm -hmm. so you you guys are are in the millions in terms of views now Mm -hmm. what makes your content better than all your you know hundreds and thousands of competitors
3: around the world I wouldn't say that our content is better than our competitors, although I would say we all have our own uniqueness. I feel uh, what makes our channel special, first, is the fact that English is not my, my primary language. I have this small accent, and I guess people from the United States especially really notice it, and they find it kind of uh, interesting, I guess. But uh, apart from that, I'd say... Uh, we try to be as genuine as we can we don't think we're better than anyone else we try to be as close to our audience as possible that's why we do live events q a's we answer a lot of comments on YouTube and I guess people really enjoy that
2: do you I guess when when you're when I'm thinking of, of how you're you're thinking about your your scripts and and going ahead is there a lot of planning that goes into it or is is it you know something happens during the day you've lived an event you so say you know what that's what I that's what I'm going to do.
3: I feel we try at the beginning of each month to come up with ideas for a video, but the best videos we've had are ideas that came up naturally during the day and we just started filming it. And we almost never write a script for our videos. So we try to be as spontaneous as we can and I feel our audience can feel that and we feel more genuine when we, we do this these things and that's how that's how we do it.
2: Now you, you were talking before is what you first did when you when you, you YouTube channel your video, you had a camera, you had some basic software if you were to look at somebody that wanted to start their YouTube channel today, what a, what equipment, what knowledge would you say that would be best for them to have going in?
3: I'd say it's not essential to have the best equipment when you're starting. I guess the, I would say, like, like I said earlier, I'd say the best thing to do is to just record yourself. It can be with your phone. Just record yourself talking to the camera like you're talking to an audience and be sure to have something to talk about. That's, per- that's, that's pretty... I'd say. But uh, make sure you're well in front of the camera and look at yourself and see how you react to it and start from there.
2: Did you at the time, you did you look at the competition? Did you look at other channels that were doing similar things to try and, and, and gain ideas or gain a style or to see maybe what you should do differently?
3: Yes. Uh, at first, I tried to mimic other channels that were similar to what I was hoping to become. But then as we progressed, uh, I stopped watching uh, what other peoples in our fields were doing, and ideas came up naturally, and we never miss an idea for a video. We always have something coming up, and I I guess we developed our own kind of content that we do, and we're kind of unique in that way. Pascal
1: Plant is our guest this evening of the YouTube channel Him and Him, and coming up, Josh will answer that question, how do you make money as a YouTube star? News is on the way, then more with Pascal.
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
1: Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with FL's Josh Miller, and this evening, Josh, we're talking about YouTube, and we're joined by Pascal Plant, he's the co-creator of the channel Him and Him, and we're talking about the business of making videos for the internet. Uh, People can make really good living uh, these days off of
2: this. But it's not so simple as creating a video, think it's going to go viral, get 100,000 hits, and you make millions of dollars. It doesn't quite happen that way. Uh, and, and I guess I'll uh, we'll turn to Pascal and say uh, and ask you, Pascal. Like, at what point did, did were you disillusioned at the beginning that you thought you could make money right away with YouTube?
3: Yes, I did believe that in our first year, like really in the, our early beginnings, we would start making money really fast. I thought by simply putting a video on YouTube and then having an ad play before it, we would generate enough money to make a living out of it. But uh, it isn't the case.
2: <laughs> no, so. Is it a question of, because it's not a question of likes, it's a question of subscribers, it's a question of... Like, where where do you find that you get the best bang for the buck from your channel?
3: Uh, it's definitely not from YouTube. If, if, to get a decent amount of money, I'd say you'd need to have a channel that generates videos, I'd say, at least twice a month that goes viral, at least in the 1 million views. Then you could start making some decent money just out of YouTube. Apart from that, you have to look somewhere else. You have to diversify your revenues and there are many websites that exist that are there to help online creators like us to generate money for what we do. And, of course, there's another aspect of the YouTube. It's uh, influence marketing. You get brand deals with uh, different brands from around the world who contact us or we can also contact them directly by by mail.
2: Which I, which I imagine, because we, we hear a lot, we talk a lot of, uh, about influencers and how they can enhance your brand and, and certainly push from a marketing aspect. But you have to, I would imagine, have a certain minimum number of subscribers to your channel before you could even attract uh, such product or, su- or such companies. Is is there a minimum? Is there kind of a standard that that you that you look for that you're aware of?
3: Uh, Well, for us, uh, we started receiving emails for brand deals when we were around 10,000 subscribers and many websites that offer like a link between creators like us and brands, they have a minimum requirements for subscribers for YouTube. And usually it's either around 5,000 to 10,000 subscribers. But even so, uh, the more number you got, the more interesting you're to a brand and the more you can charge for your video. So, if you're a digital content creator and you have some good content and you think
1: you can get some revenue, how do you choose your advertisers and how do you convince them to come on board?
3: Well, the first thing is to be always true to your brand, your image, and your audience. So, be sure to choose a brand that you personally really like and think that your audience will too. Because if you make the wrong choice and don't just think about the money then your audience will certainly feel it and you're going to lose more at the end of the day than what you would gain financially so i guess find something that's relatable to your audience and yourself try out the service or product and then give it an honest an honest review
2: when you were first when you first got that that first potential influencer contract was it tough to say no i mean is it you know it's great it's easier now you know say maintain your image but when you're first building did you have that trouble saying, oh, maybe we shouldn't
3: really link to ourselves Yes, exactly. The, the first brand that approached us was had nothing to do with what we were doing and we accepted it immediately because we were super excited. It was a, our first opportunity in influence marketing, I'd say. But then the video didn't do as well because it didn't connect with our audience. And also we didn't know our worth at the beginning. So we ended up like not making a lot of money out of that.
2: How do you determine your worth? Is there a certain formula?
3: Well, it all depends on your numbers of subscribers, viewers, the engagement of your fans. But there's, uh, we use a website that's called Social Blue Book that exists for online creators and influencers, which uh, analyzes your statistics and then gives you an approximate of what you, you should charge for a video so we use that a lot to give us like a range of prices but then when you're you're starting to get confident on your worth and the quality of your content that's when you can start setting your own prices
2: now when you're you have to market yourselves you have to get to your 20 plus 1000 subscribers and your first year your first couple of years even before you get there how did you even get people to know your channel existed I mean, did you do a lot of online? Uh, Was there maybe some more traditional type media that that you felt worked for you?
3: Well, we certainly make a good use of uh, all social media, like either Twitter, Instagram. Uh, We've talked to our friends. We've showed our channel to a lot of people here. We try to connect with local creators, too. I'd say there's a couple ways you can uh, get yourself known on the web when you're beginning. But uh, one thing we did do was go on similar channels and comment on their videos and get our names out there because our name, I think it's pretty catchy. It's a him and M, and it stands out from all the usernames that you see in the comment section. So I guess that really helped us out. But then you have to just have our good patience, wait for it to, to get discovered, try to ride on viral waves, try to do something that's going to get people to notice you but it's a mix of all kinds of different marketing strategies that has helped us was there anything
2: from a traditional aspect that you felt worked for you or maybe didn't work for you
3: um i'd say that in the traditional aspect i wouldn't say so i wouldn't i would say we 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 simply relied on social medias at first
1: Pascal said said something I think super important there and uh, riding the viral wave, right? Being current, which Mm -hmm. especially with online content is so key. How hard is it to keep up to date with the subjects that you're interested in and to to be sort of one of the first ones on those topics?
3: It's extremely hard. Uh, uh, We're dealing with international competition. We're in the English world. And as soon as a topic gets trending on YouTube, uh, you can, like in the first hours, there's lots of videos that come up talking about the same subject. But one experience we've had this summer is there was a topic that was extremely popular at the time. It was a short animated movie online. And we've recorded the video the same day it came out, but published it a couple of days later. Uh, we decided to do this because we knew our regular upload schedule was once a week on Saturdays. Uh, at first, it started slowly, but then the quality of the video was so much better than the ones who were doing it right away and not putting so much effort into it that we ended up surpassing all the others who were doing the, the, the same kind of video we did on the same day that it was released. So.
2: Now, when, when you put out a video, do you look at the, we always say measure, if you can measure it, you can manage it. So when you're dealing with online, we've, we've spoken many times about watching and monitoring and measuring the analytics is that something that you, you did from day one? How, how important is that to
3: you? It's very important. We did it from day one. Like I studied all the analytics that was out there on YouTube. It's all accessible really easily. And there's lots of data you can get. You can see uh, the views you have, from which country they come, how much long of the video they, they watch, the watch time. Uh, you can see on which device they're watching your videos. And all of these, when you look at those, tells you what, what your audience is, uh, what they want, what they're looking for. And apart from that I guess I'm using also a website called Google Trends where when you do a video it's really important to have the good title so I type in different words on Google Trends and they're telling me what what type of words people are searching over a certain period of time from which country they are so everything adds up to getting the best you can have at the start of your video
2: The name him and him was that difficult to get was it hard was it your first shot it,
3: it wasn't hard we just sat down together at a, a bit of a brainstorming session and then eventually him and him came up quite rapidly and we both agreed that it was really catchy it was a good name it really represented what we wanted to do with our channel and then we looked up on youtube nothing was comparable to it so we 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 stayed with that name So you
1: open up the average retail business, you know, and you're not faced with, you know, all kinds of random people from all over the world yelling things at you. How do you deal with the trolls and how do you make sure the trolls don't damage
3: your brand and your business? At first, uh, I personally had uh, big difficulties with people having either negative comments or trolls, and I would immediately respond to them uh, based on my emotions. And I feel that's more damageable to your image than anything else. So the best way to handle it, like the best way we do right now is just either ignore it and let our audience um, react to it. Or there's, there are even functions you can have now on YouTube which allows you to hide a user's comment on your videos, which is very useful.
2: And speaking of online image and management. Uh, We're going to have our uh, managing partner of TNKR Media join us, uh, (laughs) who's in studio with us as we speak, Mr. Delmar. The Uh, tables will turn. The tables will turn. All
1: right. So next, we'll talk about online reputation management and related PR issues with me, uh, Pascal Plant, here from the YouTube channel Him and Him. Today's entrepreneur... (laughs)
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
1: Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and F.L.'s Josh Miller with you. Coming up, we'll have Pascal Plant's one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur. He is the co-creator of YouTube channel, him and him, very interesting chat. Uh, but first, Josh. <laughs> but
2: but first, Dan and I, I won't make you introduce yourself. That would that, be be rude. that would be awkward. You know, you've never done that before. But first, we're we're actually going to talk about uh, online image, online branding, and uh, and you being you know managing partner, TNKR Media, live and breathe this every day. So just kind of kind of jump right into that first question, and you know, it, and it, it's a big question, but we'll, you'll, I'm sure you're going to answer it very concisely. How do you build that online brand?
1: Slowly, diligently, and with a lot of planning. Um, we mentioned in the previous segment that the cliche content is king, right? That that has been out there for a very long time. And it's true because the, the best content, and I, I say best in quotation marks, the most popular content or the content that's most relevant to your audience is the one that, that usually floats to the top or, or becomes most uh, most popular. It's a very democratic exercise in that way, the internet. And so really what it comes down to is, is staying, staying relevant and staying on top of the, the industry that you're focusing on and putting out the best content that you can be. And uh, as a PR consultant, you hope that once in a while some of that content... Sort of graduates to traditional media in a way, and that you once in a while are able to break through uh, and, and not just be, uh, you know, on social media
2: or on a website, but having a, a broader relevance and reaching a broader audience. You referred to you referred to something, and Pascal referred to it also earlier. Know your audience. You know, yep. aim, aim towards your audience. You want you want to you have, want to maintain an image. You want to give some content. You want to give information. Know your audience. Do you have to know beyond your audience because there is so many onlookers? For sure. Uh, You have to consider the general public at all times
1: when you're doing any kind of public activity. So knowing your audience and knowing what they like is is obviously essential, and there's a ton of demographic data. You guys were mentioning Google Analytics, you know, that they have really a ton of data in which to really micro-target individual posts. Uh, You can get really sophisticated in terms of timing, uh, length of posts. I mean, there are all kinds of factors, but at the end of the day, you just uh, can offend the general public as well, and you have to be conscious of Clips and screenshots and moments uh, where people on the internet are just looking to take you down, and you have to sort of be able to um, to distinguish yourself in an interesting way, sometimes in a controversial way if necessary, but then scale it back and not be
2: uh, too hot for the public. So, is it a good idea to be controversial a little bit? Is it a good idea to stand out in that way? I, I you know, I'm going to kind of look at Pascal and say, you guys, I mean, you're you're sef- there. Are definitely, some things that were probably a little controversial uh, if not at the, if not now maybe earlier the beginning was it a did you do you have some con- controversial videos out there and was it a conscious decision did you like so many questions you know how was the response rate did you care was it important the image what would you say
3: uh, yes, we, we did make some videos that we feel are a little bit more controversial. Either we went too far in some things or we touched subjects that we believed our audience would not appreciate as much as we did. Uh, these were all uh, we, we tried to do those and see the reactions. And then when we get the feedback afterwards, we that's when we we take full responsibility of what we've done. And if we made a mistake, we just admit it to our subscribers, our fans, and we try to stay true to our, our brand, our image. Uh, but I guess the most important thing is if you want to do something controversial, stay as transparent and as true to your image and brand as you can.
2: And if I, and if I turn to you, Dan, would you agree with with that statement? Would you what we, How would you plan if you wanted to, you know, kind of shock your audience a little bit, but... Make sure it's good. from a visibility, from an image aspect, it's still good for you.
1: So shock value is is a is something interesting that I've been looking at for for many years, and it's it's my opinion on this is based in in some neuroscience. And shock is good for short term value. So if you want to attract attention in the short term, shock value is going to be very effective. It is not productive for long term learning. So shock value is okay to use once in a while as a tactic, but there's got to be some meat and potatoes behind what's going on there. Otherwise. You're just going to forget about it a couple of days later. So shock is is a is a is a cheap tactic if you're if you're just using it on its own. But when you uh, are in the PR business, I often say come in with a big
2: headline, but then there has to be you know uh, some meat afterwards. So it's, so it's and tricky. If, and if you're talking about the meat afterwards, and and you want to continuously have that exposure, is there is there such thing as too much exposure? Is there such thing as as kind of uh, you know beating a dead flogging a dead horse, so to speak? For sure, there's that cliche: all PR is good
1: PR, right? And I don't, I'm not a subscriber to that at no, you, all.
2: You said that a few times on this. Program. No, no.
1: Someone with a responsible public image knows when to say things, and and most often, mo- most of the time, knows when not to say things. And uh, you know, when it comes to you know politics and, and a very tense atmosphere and various jurisdictions and Donald Trump and all that, I mean, entrepreneurs know what should should have a good idea of when they can make an impact in their industry. With a political stance, and when the most most of, most of the cases they they'll just sort of offend people and ruffle feathers. So it's it's a very precise calculation, depending on the industry, depending on the risk level of the entrepreneur. Very important as well, their tolerance for risk. So there's a whole bunch of factors that go
2: in, and it changes from industry to industry. And it's certainly measuring it. It's certainly you know you make your statement uh, as as Pascal was saying before the analytic. You know we we go online, we make our statement, we do our video, and then we measure it. We see what the reaction is like. And you adapt or adjust accordingly. Uh, you, you do that to this day, correct, mm-hmm. Pascal? Exactly, yeah. Uh, you know, so I, I guess uh, maybe quickly, Dan off. Uh, I guess what would be the best way to maintain a brand image?
1: It takes it takes a lot of work and it takes a plan. So for for the average business, you have to find out where your audience is, you know, what social networks you want to emphasize on, uh, what types of content, whether it's blogs or podcasts or and videos in the case of him and him. And you have to sort of uh, establish where your audience is going to be and find them there. Then it becomes a question of, Staying on top of your industry, being an industry leader or an influencer and making sure that you're at the forefront of all these conversations on a continual basis. It's a lot of work. And, and the other thing is really just being knowledgeable and being good at what you do. So on top of all the show, on top of all the the presence, you have to have a good foundation and, of course, a business plan in case your business takes off and that PR works a bit too well because that's a problem that happens too is sometimes you, you're, the PR campaign works a little too well, but the actual business isn't prepared for that growth. So there's a lot of, of planning and of, of, uh, of branding
2: that goes in. Uh, to these exercises before you actually go out in public and do and it. there there's no question. You, I mean, you said it takes a lot of effort, a lot of energy. That shouldn't be downplayed. Thanks very much, Dan. Uh, it's it's a big topic in, in a short <laughs> period of time, but we're, really we we don't want to we don't want to downplay it. And as we approach uh, the the last moment of of our interview with Pascal Plante uh, from the YouTube channel Him and Him, uh, Pascal, what would you say what would be your piece of advice for today's entrepreneur
3: well my piece of advice would be would apply at first to every entrepreneur out there i'd say uh, don't be afraid don't be don't be afraid to go out and put yourself out there like don't wait for opportunities to come at you go go out and create your own opportunities that would be my piece of advice
2: no i, I think that's great and certainly from an entrepreneurial risk standpoint that stands out for me dan i can't under estimate or underemphasize the fact that measure what you do. Monitor, put it out there, but follow it, monitor it, measure it, and it will come. Pascal Plant of the YouTube channel Him and Him.
3: Uh, Super interesting story and and glad that uh, you you made a business out of this. Pascal, congratulations. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Dan. It was a great experience. Thank you all.
1: Great. And thanks to the expert of the night, I guess. Thank you, Dan, being the expert (laughs) of the night. Back next week. Next Monday night at 7. Thanks, Josh. Have a good night.